AM Live on SAFM 104 to 107. Rude, incompetent, useless, and uh, many other words, but is there any truth to the preconceptions of public servants. Now, every move they make is scrutinized and questioned by people who do not always understand the complexities of their jobs and accuse them of being unprofessional. And these are very often the discussions we find ourselves having. But there has to be another side to this story. And uh, this morning we thought we'd, we'd reflect, we'd introspect on our relationship with our public servants especially if you're talking about the police, if you're talking about nursing staff, if you're talking about teachers, if you're talking about the frontline staff when you go to municipal offices, uh, very often the perception is a negative one. But why is this the case? And is it fair for us to essentially, you know, uh, drag everybody over the same comb and uh, make out that everybody is bad, that everybody is incompetent and that nobody uh, knows how to do their job and is essentially rude? Or is it important that we also make a distinction, draw that line between what is good and what is bad and try and gain an understanding from the public servant's view of what it is that they have to contend with on a daily basis? So this morning we are asking you, how do you feel about public servants in South Africa? What do you make of the service that you receive? And uh, just to start us off, uh, the lines are open because I do want to start with calls this morning. 891 is the number to dial. So call us and tell us, what do you feel uh, about our public servants? Uh, you know, uh, what are your thoughts? What are your sentiments? What's good? What's bad? How can it be improved upon? Uh, but let me read some of the messages that are coming through. Uh, Tumodi uh, says, public servants are overworked, underpaid, in huge debt, and thus they are frustrated. Uh, by African.com says we should stop calling them public servants because it is us, the public, who are serving them. Mangaliso Ngobo says there are good public servants like uh, the ladies and gents I met at the CIPC Service Center and Carlton Center. What excellent service. And Dumisan Ntlengetwa says public servants who have attained jobs through affirmative action should not forget their core responsibilities in the workplace. So what is your view on this. Before I go to our guest, because I do have someone from the South African Police Service, I do have a professional nurse on the line, so they will speak for themselves. But before we hear from them, I want to hear your views and I want them to also hear what you have to say about the service that they deliver, that they offer to the South African public. Let's go to Temingkosi in Pretoria. Good morning. Hi, good morning, Sakina. Um, Sakina, mine is really simple. You know, I am a public servant myself, and sometimes I get the impression that we say quite a lot of unfair things about public servants, and I think a lot of us don't actually understand the pressures that public servants have to contend with. For instance, one of the things that's been ongoing in the public service for the longest time, I think since 2009, is restructuring and a lot of departments are being restructured. People are being displaced from their positions. And what you find is that a lot of public servants are demoralized. A lot of them uh, have to do quite a bit of work because there are a lot of positions that have not been funded over quite a long period of time. And I think this creates a lot of pressures on, on public servants. Having said that, I don't think one can deny that there are indeed a lot of public servants who are quite rude 
and who don't quite understand the importance of their jobs. But I think the generalization that all public servants are bad people who don't know their work or are incompetent is actually quite unfair because quite a lot of them are dedicated to what they do. A lot of them have the requisite skills. They've been in their jobs for quite a long time. And also I listened uh, to one of the SMSs you read earlier where I think one of your listeners says uh, a lot of people who have been put in management positions don't actually understand what they are doing. And I think that overlooks a very important fact, which is that a lot of these people themselves have been in government for quite a long time, and a lot of them have received extensive training in their portfolios. But what you do find is that sometimes there's a tension between what public servants do and what the political expectations are. Sometimes you end up with a situation where a lot of politicians want to actually interfere in the work of public servants, and this creates quite a bit of a problem, um, I think, for the people who actually have to do the work. Mm. That is my comment. Thank you so much, Teminkosi, for joining in and sharing that with us because it is very important. And one of the issues that we are looking at this morning is the gross generalization when we talk about public servants. What are your views? And don't I don't necessarily want you to shy away from uh, your view that you hold uh, that preconceived notion that some people may have that says, um, you know, well, we hear all of that. But when or when it comes down to it, public servants are there to serve. And if they don't serve, you know, uh, what are we what are we meant to do about that? And also um, from what Teminkosi was saying, if it is indeed a case whereby some of the public servants are not, uh, you know, rising to the occasion, which is very often the case. We often hear that where people will say, you know, there are some bad apples, but not everybody is like that. What is being done to actually take care of those bad apples and to make sure that they don't contaminate more of uh, the others around them? Let's hear from Nomonde in Joburg. Good morning. Good morning, Sakina. Um you know, for me, it's a very complex topic because you're talking about people's employment, employment contracts, etc. I think that the departments that are doing very well, you can literally single out, for example, in class, you know, you can see there's some level of management. It's a man- management culture which has cascaded to the workers. There's an efficiency there to that one is starting to see. So obviously management understands the principles of saying, this is how you behave at work and you are measured against the following goals, etc. Now, in some cases, you find that because the leadership is not understanding those principles and therefore their workers will reflect that. And if you go to different departments, they behave very differently. And, I mean, for example, I was at the traffic department. I needed to renew my license. The process has become seamless. But, you know, you'll have one or two people who, who are just out like food, you know. They'll tell people where to sit and how to sit and whatnot. And, and others, you know, are treating you so professional that you feel, geez, you know, I'm not even in a government type uh, place. Mm. So I think, you know, it, it really falls down to the management of these departments. And that's mm. where it really starts. Because if they buy into saying, this is a profession that you, you should be following. This is how you conduct yourself when you treat people. This is what customer service means, but to be. You know, when we start, when that starts becoming a culture from the management, it will cascade, and you see it in different pockets. 
But unfortunately, it's not consistent, and I guess that's why we're having this discussion, because we do have a lot of cases where people are just generally unhappy if they go yeah. to government places to, you know, Isn't it telling, though? Isn't it telling, though, Nomonde, that we are surprised, as per your own recollection there, we are surprised yeah. when we do receive good service at government we departments? We're surprised because we're obviously thinking hey, these people must be doing something right um, at, this, at some level, you know? I mean, for example, in health, it makes sense that a medical doctor is a finance minister. It can't be that in the justice system, the guy who's holding the highest position there, for example, uh, doesn't know anything about the legal profession. You know, at least there are some things that they are getting right in principle. But there are others where you think to yourself, but really, really, if we're going to have a successful um, uh, uh, municipal office, for example, you need to have people who are qualified in your financial, uh, you know, have your financial degrees and experience. You need to have people who are very strong in administrative type processes but for some reason, you know, we, we don't seem to get it right at those strategic type places like your municipal offices, for example. Mm. And it's sad. And as I say, you know, there are some pockets where you can see management is committed to this thing and it's starting to work. Okay. And we still are not getting it right in some cases. Thank you so much, uh, Nomonde, and uh, we'll take that. But I also want us to reflect on our attitude towards public servants and how that actually uh, impacts on the relationship that we end up enjoying with them. Timothy in Durban, good morning. Morning, hi, how are you? Good and you? Uh, yeah, man, I'm just to echo more of what the previous caller might say, and, and I think I'd love to start maybe with our attitude towards them as well. I think there's nothing that is um, uh, as um, uh, irritating as or frustrating is when you go to um, these um, offices um, and then you actually go there with a smile and you greet the person, morning mom, morning sis, morning brother, how are you doing? And then they just look at you like you've just said the most absurd thing. And I think I think um, it, it just kind of like, you no know, winds you up in a way. So, and um, just to echo more, I think really, really when we start running, I know, our public offices, I think as private entities, I think we're going to really, really go a long way because, as she said, as she rightfully said, it starts from the, from the top up. Because you walk into police station, right, and then you want maybe to, to inquire something, to report something, then you speak in English. And then the guy is, like, looking at you like you've just spoken to him in Greek or something. And, and these guys, they do understand English. Like, like I said, they do understand English. So I don't really, really know exactly, you know. I think, I think it's a matter of that's really, really the, the one who's on top really, really making it down, grilling it down to, so that if even if you come with a complaint, mm. you actually do something about it. Because you look at um, um, the other time um, I called in um, into the metro, I wanted to report you know, um, um, a, a broken vehicle, um, a broken down vehicle on the freeway, on the N2, in a very, very bad place. Right? The lady answered my call. I'm trying to say, you know, can you at least give me an emergency number of the area where I am? She tells me, no, she's not a mom. I didn't in control, they're not in control of that area. So I said, can you please give me any other number that uh, I may call because I'm, I'm trying to, you know, to prevent an, a potential accident. Then she drops the call. So okay. you, just, you just 
see those kind of things that really... Timothy, I get it. And, and, and I think that is also a cause of great frustration very often when it seems as though uh, public servants will only do the bare minimum and are not uh, you know, willing to go the extra mile very often. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we will introduce our two guests this morning and we'll hear from them what they make of uh, your sentiments this morning and also, as I said, generally reflect upon the relationship that exists between the public and our public servants. The Forum at 8 on SAFM. On the Forum at 8 this morning, we are asking, how do you feel about our public servants? Now, we heard from you and we'll continue taking your calls. But right now, uh, we have invited uh, some of our public servants uh, to speak to us this morning so that they can hear how the public feels and maybe also give us a perspective from their side of the fence. And we have with us in studio here this morning, Major General uh, Chris Mangena, who is uh, from the South African Police Service. And I didn't realize who he was until he walked in. Uh, he is, of course, uh, that uh, police officer who spent quite a bit of time on our TV screens during the Oscar Pistorius trial. Um, uh, Major General, thanks for coming through this morning. Uh, thank you, Sakina, for having me. And I just want to correct you on that. This Major Mangana, not Major Mangana. Ah, Major. Thank you so much. And we also have joining us on the line, professional nurse, a nurse and operational manager at Don McKenzie and Tandi Mdamza. Thanks for your time as well. Thank you very much for giving me this opportunity of um, talking in the public about, about our duties in, um, and the complaints in our profession. Now, Major, let me start with you. Um, you've heard what the people have said, and, and I think most stark for me is the fact that South Africans are generally surprised when they receive good service at our public institutions. What do you make of that? Uh, yes. Somehow, somehow, still, I agree with them when they say that they are surprised when they receive that service from our uh, community services. But sometimes we look at the attitude that they come with. People will tend to give you attitude, even if you are busy with something else. It will just distract you because he's there. You must leave whatever you're doing to give him attention. If you're still busy with something, you want to complete what you're doing first, and then you can give that person attention. They don't want that. They just want to be attended immediately when they arrive. And it's like when you get to the station to open a case up. Before they can start opening a case, they'll ask you the questions so that they can see if there's any case to open in that and what charges to open in to open a case. But if there's no case against or that can open, they'll have to sit down with you and explain it to you first before they can open a case or something like that. So, you know, when it comes down to that, you're basically saying that um, the public themselves are rude. They are guilty of the very same thing that they, for example, accuse the police of. That's, yes, what I'm saying now. Mostly the public will give you a bad attitude before they can even look at you. And when you tend to be, to, 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 to at least try to explain to these people, they are already negative then the negative attitude that you'll get, before he can change his attitude, it's difficult for me to give that person attention, that person attention, so that I can assist the person. So if they can try to change the attitude, then we can also work properly with them. So um, 
Are you not trained, however, as you know, someone who will be dealing with the public quite extensively, to actually expect uh, you know people who come in with these untoward attitudes and how to deal with it? Uh, some of us are trained to do that, but not all of us. Now we know that if a person comes with a negative attitude, started shouting at you, the best thing that you do is just to avoid him until he cools down. Then you can talk to him. Because if you start to, 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 to respond to what he's saying, you'll end up being rude also to the same person. And negative and negative will never be a positive thing. You'll end up now shouting at you, shouting at him, and you'll, mm. you'll end up in a different situation where the people don't want to be seen in that situation. So uh, you're quite right, but I'm just seeing a bigger problem here because, you know, uh, it starts off on a bad footing and um, it would seem as though, you know, the police themselves uh, in this instance would be sitting there thinking, OK, I'll, I'll see how you respond to me. But what people have also said very often is that especially in dealing with the police, when one tries to exercise their rights um, with the police, you find that the police then really become um, stroppy and aggressive towards you. For example, if I ask a police officer to see his name badge, and this has happened to me, uh, that's the beginning of a downward spiral in that interaction. As I believe every police officer who wears uniform must wear a name badge with him. But they there don't. Must be a name badge. Then his uniform is not complete. And if it's, does, it doesn't have a name tag, the uniform is not complete and actually supposed to report the person. How am I going to report him if I, if I don't know who he is? And all I've asked is, can I please have your name? Can you identify yourself? And by me simply asking for that, I've started a fight. Right. If you look at most of the vehicles that are driving outside, they've got the, 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 the station and the call sign number of mm. the vehicle. You can take the call sign number or the station of the vehicle and the registration. You can take it further. In the charge office, if he gives you bad attitude, ask for the, uh, the, the charge office commander and then speak to the charge office commander. If it doesn't go further, then speak to the station commander to report the person. I mean, you can start by reporting the person with uniform without the name tag. But you are aware of this sort of behavior amongst your colleagues, aren't you? Yes, I'm aware of that. So, so, so what gives, I mean, um, what gives rise to this sort of attitude? And, you know, again, as you said, sometimes the public comes in with a rotten attitude. But, but what do you do when, as a law-abiding citizen who is fully aware of their constitutional rights, you try to invoke those and you, by so doing, invoke the ire of this police officer? Sakina, I understand what you say about a constitutional right, but... Somewhere, somehow, we need to treat people with respect. It doesn't mean if I have my constitutional right, I must just say whatever I want to a person. Normally, they know that if they attack a police officer, in most cases, you won't do anything. You won't tell you. You just have to be quiet and listen to what you're saying. And that's where mistakes come now. Do you think that, you know, the levels of frustrations that police officers, um, you know, are experiencing has anything to do with, how they respond to the public. Yes, I think so. So you're taking out your frustrations on us? Uh, not necessarily taking out the frustration on you. There's a lot of frustration in the police. If you look at what we are saving, you can find that in an area of two, three blocks of an, uh, 
is served by two vehicles, one or two vehicles. Now, if, if you can think, how many complaints do they get per day? And how many outstanding complaints when they come to you? They still have to attend all those other complaints. Mm. Now, it's a lot of work and it's frustrating to them. So sometimes you find that the person who calls them is under the influence, but he insists that he wants the police to open a case. They can't open a case from you if you're under the influence. They need to explain to you. When they explain to you now, you start telling them about your rights. Mm. So in such instances, some of these are some of the things that causes problems to our we need to go to a news break, but I'd love to hear from you, you know, what needs to happen in order to uh, rectify that particular situation. Because here you have a situation, police officers are frustrated, they are overworked, as you said, uh, a few of them are serving a large area, dealing with people who sometimes are under the influence. And then here comes poor you. After all of that has taken place and you ask a simple question and that happens to be the straw that breaks the camel's back. So what needs to happen in order to rectify that? When we come back, we are going to speak to Ntandi Ndlamza, who's a professional nurse, because even there in that particular sector, there are huge problems. The public has tons of complaints for them. So we'll speak to her and find out exactly what they are faced with. AM Live on SAFM. 104 to 107. On the Forum this morning, we ask, how do you feel about our public servants? That's what we're talking about. Before the break, we heard from uh, Major Chris Mangena, who is for the South African Police Services. And now we're going to hear from professional nurse and operational manager at Don McKenzie, Ndandi Ndlamza. Ndandi, now, when it comes to the health services in South Africa, we hear of these complaints and worse still, we read about them every day of just how neglectful and, uh, you know, in some instances, how incompetent our health services have become. And this is borne out by the high number of uh, cases that are brought that are brought against the Department of Health on a daily basis. But what is your take on, you know, why you get such a bad rap as nurses in the public uh, sector? Uh Thank you very much for giving me this opportunity. Uh, Number one, we have got a shortage of nurses in all hospitals, in all provinces, shortage of nurses. You can find out one nurse nursing 10 patients. Let me talk about my institution <coughs> as I'm working at Don McKenzie Hospital. We have got a ward here who, are, who accommodate uh, 60 patients against, um, against uh, 10 nurses, like uh, 10 nurses for a month. Uh, per day, you find out three nurses against those 60 patients. How, how do you think the attitude will be to do, to, from those nurses to, to, to patients. The attitude won't be, won't be okay. You can, come, um, you can come on duty in the morning with a positive and a nice attitude to your patients, but before the end of the day, you will discover that, A, you are so um, tired, you, are, you, 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 can't, uh, you, you can't be that nurse who was in the morning, like, for example, positive attitude towards patients because of overloading of um, of their work towards these patients. And um, I'm admitting patients uh, here in my in my hospital, like for example, six months to a year. 
And if the patient is admitted for a long time in the ward, she needs to demand and aggressive and asking everything to be done for her without thinking for other patients. Mm. And uh, mm, uh, other patients are homeless. They don't have uh, homes. Other patients are having homes, but uh, they are not visited by the relatives. It is very difficult to, to deal with a sick, uh, with a sick uh, patient, with a sick person. Like, for example... Other people are dumping their patients in the hospital. They never come again to visit the patients. And you need that bed for the, for the next patient. But you cannot put another patient to that same bed because there is still a patient who is just sitting with no relatives, with no home. So we need to start in, a, in, 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 um, in making the ID for these patients. Mm. Um, um, so does that frustrate others, you? Does it frustrate you, the fact that you have to be dealing with a whole lot of issues uh, which would generally, you think, fall outside of your scope? Yes. And, um, and, and, and I'm saying, how can you nurse 10 patients and you are, you are, you are only one nurse? Think of the attitude of that nurse towards that patient. Now, whilst I empathize with that particular situation whereby you do have too much on your plate, um, it becomes difficult to sustain that empathy when you receive such horrendous service from a nurse who, who simply then, you know, takes it out on the patients. The patients don't know. They are, for the most part, not aware of your working conditions, the situations that lead to your frustrations. So why take it out on them? Why not address it with your bosses, with the relevant authorities, so that there can be an improvement in the situation? We do. Another thing is the, is the health profile. Nowadays, uh, everybody is sick, you know that. The department is trying to help us, but we, we, we admit more people because people are more sick than before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the thing. So are you we saying you cannot complain. cope with the situation whereby people are now more sick than before? Mm. You can't cope with that situation? No, we cannot cope because it needs, it needs nurses to be employed every day. So if, if, if that is the way you feel, and um, I suppose, uh, you know, this is kind of widespread, uh, that sort of um, feeling about the situation at the moment, what needs to be done? What can be done? Because it is unfair, it is wrong for nurses to treat patients generally in the manner in which they do. <coughs> It's, it's so difficult because uh, it is always said uh, we, we, they employ nurses and they don't understand how difficult it is to nurse these patients in, uh, in few numbers of nurses. They don't understand. And, uh, uh, and sometimes, like for example, in our, in our institution, at least if you, you have got something to go home with, like, for example, you get your benefits, all your benefits. We don't get the benefits in our hospital. Not, not all the benefits we, we do get, like other institutions. For example, the rural allowance. The rural allowance is being, is being get by other institutions, like working in rural areas.
as I'm saying, it's a rural allowance. Mm. But here in our hospitals, in, in, in this hospital, we don't get that rural allowance. Let's just put the shoe on the other foot for a moment. If you were a patient coming mm-hmm. into a hospital, Mm. receiving the sort of treatment that I'm sure you have witnessed some of your colleagues administering to uh, the public. How would you feel about that? I, I will feel very bad if I would be a patient. So, so, so why is it acceptable then? Why is it that nurses continue to treat for the most part, and, and, and I'm saying this without fear of contradiction even at this point because I've seen this. Why is it then acceptable for nurses to continue behaving in this despicable manner? Um, uh, it's difficult to explain. It's very difficult uh, because, as, as I'm saying, it's because of the burnout. The, 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 the facilities are not enough especially in government uh, hospitals. That's why we, profession- we professionals, we choose to, 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 to be admitted in a private hospital. So because you also choose to be uh, treated in private hospitals. And, and that is telling. That, that really does say a lot. But again, why don't, and this goes to both you and to uh, Major Mangena. I'll come to him in a moment. If the situation is so bad, that you feel that it is compromising your professional ethic, why don't you resign? Mm-hmm. Instead of treating people as poorly as you do, why don't you resign? Who is going to work if I'm resigning? No, there is are always people looking for work. You know, someone will apply for your position. But at this point, your frustration levels are overflowing. And it shows it is, you know, portrayed in your interaction with the public. So why don't you leave the service to those who feel that they can deal with it? You said you're not coping. If you are real nurse, you cannot leave the patient without, without being helped. If you are really a nurse, you cannot do that. You have to work under those uh, frustrations, like if the facilities are not enough. Other patients, they choose to go, as I'm saying, they choose to go to private where there are facilities. The problem is also the facilities in the institutions and these homeless patients. And uh, and, I've say, and uh, as I'm saying, you cannot uh, you, you cannot expel the patient which which doesn't have home, which which, which not even having ID to have something at home. Mm, they don't have IDs. A real nurse is also supposed to be compassionate. A real nurse is also not supposed to be rude and insensitive towards patients. So if a real nurse does that, shouldn't the real nurse then go and try and find alternative employment? Yes, that nurse is not supposed to be to, 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 to treat that patient in that special uh, it's not right. It's not right at all. Mm. But I think what is equally not right is for the public also to take their bad attitude towards our public servants and you know unnecessarily and i think there's a lot going on here but um the question that i was asking major mangena to you as well if if the situation is so terrible why don't people resign make way for people who see this as a calling want to come in here and help against the odds working under these terrible conditions why do people stay knowing full well they don't want to be there they can't cope as uh, our nurse was saying and they are just frustrated why not leave
Uh, Sakina, as you said, well, we do have good cops who are doing their best to do that. And we have at least the number of rotten cops who handle this, the, the community as they wish. And we're trying to address this. There are courses that are being offered to officers outside on how to handle the community. And there are courses on I've offered to also to, to, to the police officers on how to handle different situations, like when you go to crime scenes, how to handle your crime scene, how to work on your crime scene, how to give your best on the crime scene. But we can't all do the same thing. There are those who are frustrated, who can't handle the situation or can't handle the, the, the pressure that they get, and they ended up being negative. But it's not that we're ignoring that. We know about it, and it's been giving attention Mm. Well, let's hear from you uh, now. Oh eight nine one one zero four two zero eight. Ooh, so many messages. Tell you what, we'll storyify. We will put them up on our website www.safm.co.za. We'll see how many we can read. But for those we can't, please go onto our website. Let's go back to the lines. Peter in Isipingo. Good morning. Good morning, Fakina. How are you? Well, and you? All right, Fakina. I nearly say the point of order there when you talked about <laughs> resigning. <laughs> <laughs> What is your point of order, Peter? My point of order, Fakina, is uh, if I can start on that, um, we, we, we need to look at it really holistically. Um, if you look at, as an example, SARS is a government department. And if you get into SARS, um, you will be told well, where you should go in less than a minute. And... Uh, you will then uh, watch the screens and see in 15 minutes you could be attended to or almost done with what we are doing. Um, it tells you, because SARS is a revenue-generating uh, um, uh, way of the government. The government has invested there. They have put in the processes there. The SOPs are there. The expectations are clear, and uh, the working standards are clear. I think... Um, with due respect to, to your, 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 your approach to the, to, the, to the issue, it's more on the upper echelons of uh, the, the ministries rather than on the ground. I mean, Major um, Mangena uh, and uh, the lady, um, they are there, but they are the foot soldiers. And uh, there are influences that should be done at, at least DG level. Um, as an example, I'll give you a, a, an example in two. Actually, you missed one that I thought you would bring in as well, the education department. They so are at school. Are we didn't want to take them out of class. We're fully aware. We just didn't want to take them out of class. Yeah, you would have got some official or somebody. We've just taken Mangena out of a crime scene, eh? <laughs> we tried. We tried, but there was no one available, there so no one we were not going to push. Yes, my, my, my point, Sakina, is that as an example, if I can start with the police stations, uh, it, it, you get in there, you want to open a case, and uh, you understand why the guys are frustrated. And on the same uh, token as well, you understand why I get frustrated as somebody that's going to open a case. Then I sit with an investigating officer. He's going through the details. They are not very keen on us writing our own, uh, 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 deposing on our own uh, 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 statements. It takes two, three hours. Then from there, I go to a lady at the front, it eventually, maybe after a day or two, it generates the, uh, the case number. And then thereafter, the case, it just goes dead. And if okay. you follow up with the investigation officer, it's because they've got piles and piles and piles of tokens per person that they are working on. Okay. So it's a matter of capacity. I, I get you, Peter. And I take your point that it's systemic. However, 
does that justify the attitude uh, that is given to the public at that point of interface? Uh, let's go to Mohamoti and Musakeng. Good morning. Uh, Sakina. Yes. Sakina, the reason advanced by your two guests, the COP and the NEF, should be rejected with the contempt that they deserve. There can't be any justification whatsoever for meeting out that treatment to the public that is paying the SLS. But also, Sakina, if your collection is good, some years back the, com- the government came with the eight Batupili principle. I want you to ask again to tell us which of the departments are still applying those principles because I think if those principles would have been followed to, would be having a very different type of uh, government that is in operation. And I want to say, Sakina, the least said about the Department of, of Labor, the better. Thank you. Thank you so much, Mohamoti. Hassan Logat in Joburg, good morning. I've been warned to keep it short. So let me say uh, <laughs> the, the, the failure for, our, for us here to rebuild our health, education, and security means, in effect, we don't really have a society. We don't have, really have a government because all these are dysfunctional. But, you know, I must say that for the two public servants there and maybe even Kherinel and Mangena, they made me feel proud that it was a David and Goliath situation. Small guys, not creating great salaries, beating the big guys, you know. But I think to get this issue, uh, Christina, uh, sorry, Sakina, uh, beyond the individuals there, the erosion of the public services has also been the ideology of the IMF, the World Bank, and others wanting a very small state, you know. That's why we have very few, uh, uh, we've got many vacancies, in fact, uh, now with political interference is an additional problem. Many of our institutions have got, I think we should be called uh, uh, suspension, you know. Uh, it's a new word we have in South Africa. Every department there you find some political interference. But quality public services are very, very important to build solidarity, to rebuild our community. And we should devolve the power lower down. You know, mm. we, we need to make sure that workers, they have greater say in how the job is, is done. Uh, residents, communities, others using the service have to ever say, and people must know that you may be very far down there. Someone is paying your salary. And, you know, sometimes the public servants think this money is being paid by some political party or something like that, and that's wrong. Mm. But but sometimes that's unfair, Hassan, because uh, public servants themselves also uh, contribute towards the fiscal because they also pay taxes. And, and and sometimes I think perhaps that argument is unfair. But let's hear from Patrick in Johannesburg. Good morning. Hi, Sakina. My name is Patrick Egana. I'm the General Secretary of the Public Service Workers Union. The lady is our member. It is very clear that uh, our hospitals, our, our employees or our members have signed the service charter in respect of uh, service delivery. But you cannot sign the service charter in the situation where you are not provided with resources. It is clear that all the institutions up there, nurses are taken out to do functions which falls out, absolutely out, outside their ambit of functions, which is un, uh, unacceptable. We have been uh, filing and requesting meetings with the Department of Health to no avail. We have tried the nursing councils. After this show, I will be sending you a number of letters which we wanted to take the issues directly with uh, the nursing council in Pretoria. I tell you what, Patrick, we appreciate that. We welcome that. Do send it and we'll do a follow-up on this because uh, maybe we are placing the blame at the wrong door. Lorraine in Morningside in Durban, good morning. Good morning to you and you. Hello. Hi, Lorraine. Hello. We listening? Good morning to you and you. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. 
Good morning to you and your guest, Sakina, and thanks for taking my call. I'd like to say firstly that, unfortunately, you know, the public service administrators who are there to do a day's job uh, get painted with the same brush as those who just come to work to collect a check at the end of the month. And I'll give you a case in point to justify that. I've had occasion to go to the revenue services in Durban on a number of occasions, and I was gobsmacked by the service because I've been to other public institutions where you ask yourself what happened. Now, I have this much to say. If you look at service delivery protests, it's not like in all instances that there is no money to carry out the services that the community needs because in many cases you read that the money is there. It's um, staff who are ill-equipped to do the job, hence they don't know what to do with the money. It goes back to the government and it gets allocated elsewhere. But nothing happens with these people. On the contrary, uh, people who work for government just get attack on the back, on the, on the hand, when they do something wrong and they get moved to other uh, positions. Yeah. Uh, we play mm-hmm. musical chairs with people who are unable to do a proper day's job. And I think we need to look at root causes here. And it's all about training people to do jobs properly, but also, crucially, is vetting people for particular positions. I mean, the fact that you have mm-hmm. a matric certificate and you have the requirement percentage doesn't qualify you to be a teacher or a nurse. Those are jobs that are specific to your emotional intelligence, how you view people, etc., etc. Okay, Lorraine, we got the gist of that. Thank you so much. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to wrap this up. And boy, are there many messages coming through. We'll see how many of those we can actually read. The Forum at 8 on SAFM. Time always flies when there's so much yet to be discussed. But we have come to the end, and I'm going to ask our guests to just give us their parting shots in wrapping. Ndandi Lamza, what's your parting shot for us? Can I please come again? Uh, your final word on this matter? Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> my final word is, uh, I think I cannot talk for other hospitals. I can talk to my hospitals. In my hospital, there is a, the attitude is very good towards the patient because I've got only one condition in my, in my hospital. I've got only TB and, uh, and the HIV. So at least we, can, we are managing uh, to, 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 to treat patients positively than other hospitals because with other hospitals, there are many conditions which are, which are being treated in those hospitals. Okay, thank you so much. And uh, Major Mangena, from you? Uh, from my side, man, I would say that I would like the community to understand the problem that they are in, the situation that we are encountering. And I want also the, the, the community to understand, at least they mustn't come with an attitude when they come to. They must uh, try to address, let's try to address this and meet us halfway. If they see that we've got a problem, they also have a problem. Let's just discuss this and then try to solve and sort it out without giving bad attitudes towards each other. Because once a person comes with an attitude to you, it's difficult for you to handle that, knowing that we are still under stress that we get from our own work service uh, uh, stations. 
Well, that's unfortunately all we have time for. My most humble apologies that we didn't even have time to read a lot of your messages. We'll storyify them. Go on to our website. You'll find them there from our SMS line, Twitter and Facebook. So you'll be able to read everybody's contributions. Thanks to our guests this morning and thanks to you for your fantastic participation as always. AM Live on SAFM 104 to 107.